Hey, it's Tara McNamara. And it's Riley Roberts. This is 80s Movies, A Guide to What's Wrong with Your Parents. And we're here with Daniel Waters. The writer of Heathers. Thank you for joining us. Uh-oh. <laughs> I feel indicted already. Thank you for listening to the previous podcast we did on Heathers and still choosing to show up today. Yes, it was very interesting. I mean, I, I'd like to – it was like analyzed like the Zapruder film. It was very <laughs> – very interesting. I, I, I learned some things. Well, I, what we try to do on this podcast is look through, look at '80s movies that we love, uh, but also how they impacted teens at the time, what we can see from society now, uh, and just also what it spoke about the culture of the '80s. And I think Heather's does that really well. Well, it, there was an article recently in the New Yorker that had a great line where the woman said. It's the movie that turned the 80s into the 90s. It is, yeah. And, which I thought was a fun way to put it, like that, that we, we kind of pressed the reset button on the 80s, especially 80s teen films, which the button needed to be pressed. But it didn't dest- certainly didn't destroy teen films. But Well, what, so why did you decide I need to write a teen film? You know, what, what was it exactly? Like, I got I to gotta write this. I have this idea and I have to write it. Yeah, it's almost like I had the the need to write it before I had the idea. Like in that, I I I was very happy to be. I you know I dreamt of being a film critic because I love movies. I see still see too way too many movies, but you know it's like oh wouldn't it be great to write about movies like my hero Pauline Kael, and then. But then, like the movies started in this, the movies in the seventies were so amazing, and then the movies in the eighties were a little less amazing. And then, like, oh boy, I enjoy these teen films. I enjoy John Hughes. I enjoy Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink, a special favorite of mine. And but it's like, whoa, is this it? Is this what we're getting? Like, you know, it seems like we're missing something. Like mm-hmm. we're missing like. Uh, you know, not just a dark satire, but just like anything that takes it to that next level. Because I mean, there's a classic line, and I've brought it up before in, in the Breakfast Club, where he go, where they bl- they always blame the parents, always the parents' fault, right? And like kids are kids are secretly all angels, like you're. And they said your heart dies when you become an adult, and I'm like, geez, I know some people where their heart died when they were 14. Like you know <laughs> that 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 this is a little off. So I thought there was a whole kind of wealth of material. That could be done if I if I if 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 I did a teen, where's this teen where's a teen film that like you know I always bring up the director Stanley Kubrick my favorite director he did the science fiction movie two thousand and one he did a war movie Doctor Strangelove and he did the horror movie The Shining which was different than any other horror movie that became wouldn't it be great if he did a teen film and I go it would be great and I go <laughs> God I guess I'm gonna have to be the one to write it because I don't see anybody else writing it so it was almost like I just piled everything up and I took forever to write it. And like I had all these little slips of paper and I call it, I still call it, still the way I write it, call it collecting acorns where you come up with a line or idea. Like a lot of people think that, uh, how'd you come up with those lines? Well, I better, I took two years. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. that I always, I always hate movies about writers where they're sitting in a computer fade in and they're like, Hmm, Hmm, what should I write? If you don't know more at that point, then you're in trouble. But anyway, so, (laughs) I just started to, you know, just vomit out this um, teen film to end teen films. That's the way I just put it. Like even like what Dawn of the Dead was a zombie film. I wanted to be the last one. That was what I was very obsessed with. So kind of – and, you know, the first draft was like 250 pages. Yeah. Which is not what your first draft should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
you so tell me about your life at the at the point where you sat down right like what was your life what was your immediate world what i i had i had graduated from school and university in Montreal, McGill University. And I had Larry Karaszewski, one of my best friends who I went to high school with. And he – Who introduced us, by the way. Oh, yes. yes he introduced you, he introduces everyone. Now he's just the man <laughs> about town. But um, uh, he – Larry moved – went to USC and he moved out of California. And there was a place open. So I so I said, OK, you know, William Goldman, who just died, he had a whole chapter in his book. Forget everything I'm saying. Then, if you want to be a screenwriter, you got to move to Los Angeles, whether you like it or not. So I took him on his word. We moved to LA, and I couldn't get a job. Finally, got a job at a video store where we played Real Genius 300 times a day. Do you have a Real Genius episode yet? <laughs> no, not yet. Oh my not god, yet. you got to get on that. What's going on? Um, and so it was kind of like, and so it's definitely a lowly existence. And the great thing is that. Like today, I feel like when a kid comes out to L.A. to be a screenwriter, they're going to have – they're going to know – they know they know too much. Mm-hmm. Like they know what's – they've read what's hot. Oh, horror movies are selling movies. Horror movies are not selling right now. Like, oh, I'm going to do this superhero twist. Like they have a ga- – they have more of a game plan. I had no game plan. I just like, boy, I'd really like to see this Stanley Kubrick teen film I keep thinking about. So – while I worked in the video store, do do do, just I just wrote it, and I and I try to tell people they don't believe me, but naivete can be one of the strongest superpower there is. As far as if if you're not thinking about what's going to happen after you finish a script, just think about writing the script, just what the content it is. You know, write the greatest movie never made is my 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 motto. Right, but. You know, if you just think that way, don't think about what's going to happen, who you're going to get it to, what party you have to be to to get me, hand the script to somebody and become a Valley Parker and put in somebody's back back seat. <laughs> like, don't think about that. Just think about the writing, and that's and that's what I did. I just wrote this monstrosity, and if you can get one other person other than yourself to like it, you can kind of build from there. I just wanted to ask. Uh- when you have all those iconic um, lines like "fuck me with a chainsaw" and like all those stuff, did you hear people saying that, or did that just pop in your head and you're like, "I gotta write that down"? Yeah, there's a. I mean, you know, part of being a writer is stealing, and not you know, not stealing from other movies. That's a little lame, but you, you do that too, of course. Um, but it is like anytime you hear anything interesting, um, you memorize it, file it, it becomes yours. Yeah, I mean, "fuck me gently with a chainsaw." That was that, that has a long history. Uh, <laughs> Let's uh, hear it. <laughs> appar- apparently, there's a a British expression, "fuck me gently." Uh huh. And then I had a friend in Canada at McGill University, Doug Hilton, if you're listening, um, and he used to say, and he, so he he gets he gets a lot of credit because he always used to say, "Well, fuck me gently with a crowbar." <laughs> oh gosh. And then and then so then when I came down to writing this movie, which is mostly female based, it was like. Crowbar is such a masculine word, so kind of a change to chainsaw, but mm-hmm. not not a big change. But like he would he would never have thought to put that in a piece of writing. Like you know he he just thought that was his private thing. So but I took it. My favorite one is a uh, you know I was a camp counselor in Toronto and um, there was a girl who you know girl she was a little older she was like eleven she kept saying what's your damage and. And I was just like, hmm. That's so good. If yeah. I do become a writer one day, I'm going to write. I'm going to take that. <laughs> and she she already overused it like she was a sitcom character. What's your damn? What did you? So, so I got to think 
she's sitting home alone as a 40 year old spinster. I don't know why she's a spinster. She may be married, but um, <laughs> she's a cat lady. All but, of a sudden. <laughs> but she's like, what's your damage? That's so mine. And what's your damage is also like, it gets the one, it's the one that gets name checked and every Ryan Murphy show and on Bumblebee. And like, so it's like, she must really be like, Gaslit, like just mm-hmm. what the hell is happening? She probably just thought everyone was saying it, or maybe she's such a trendsetter that it picked up and became its own thing. Not knowing it was that camp counselor. That's uh, what about blind. you're such a pillowcase? That's just it's so funny because you guys were very funny. You guys brought up like some deep cut lines, and like, <laughs> and like it's like, and so now, like sometimes when I'm writing now, I'm like, oh man, that line's not good enough, and then I remember like. Okay, you're such a pillowcase. That was just something I did come off the top of my head and just thought I was going to go back and change it, and I didn't. But it worked. It was fine. It was people liked it. The classic one is, I hate the line, "Lick it up, baby, lick it up." Yeah. And, and, and it was just like it was just like, oh god, that's so fucking lame. All right, but whatever. I'll I'll change it again. And then. Like kind of what the actors brought to it and like – and suddenly like, you know, and, and then when the guys who did the musical, they're like, oh, we're not cutting Lick It Up. Lick It Up, baby. We, we, are you kidding me? You know, the audience goes crazy. Like yeah. so, so it's just like, geez. So I, I got to be – so it's like I got to be less tough on myself. Some of my, some of my losers are winners. Like I got to <laughs> give myself some credit here. I think that's part of it. It's, I mean, part of the 80s films is they're so quotable. And so you really capped off the 80s with maybe the most quotable yeah, film yeah. that there is. Well, it's so funny because I, I get so annoyed by these screenwriting books that come out now, How to Write a Screenplay in 12 Days. And how, like in this, this book that drives me nuts, Saved a Cat, by, written by a screenwriter who would stop or my mom will shoot. So he's one of the best. But, <laughs> but I feel like he's made screenwriting into a game of magic. Libs, where instead of writing and not knowing where you're going, you fill out this form of like what happens here, what happens right here, and they're always saying the dialogue should only move the story forward, like keep it very tight and short, and only keep the story forward. And like sometimes it's the messy dialogue, the dialogue where you're trying to find your way with something that you come up with the best lines. So mm-hmm. I think people seem to care less about dialogue now, and you know it's like my favorite thing. Um, part of part of what we um, you know part of what's going on right now is this sort of why don't we have female directors making movies about women? Why don't we have female writers writing women's stories? So of course they weren't thinking that in the eighties at all. Um, <laughs> but but I'm so I'm curious why was it that you thought I'm going to tell this this story about Mean Girls? Don't bring up my brother's movie Mean Girls. That's all. <laughs> Like he, he gets all the money. It's no fair, but it's like Mark I, Waters. Yeah, I'm glad you glad you. I mean, I always say Mean Girls is the one everybody likes. Okay, fine. It's hilarious. It's very funny, but it's just. But you were the OG. Right? I was the OG. I was the OG. And I mean, the thing is that I did do a lot of, um, you know, feminist studies in in college. I was a good feminist for that one period in the early eighties. <laughs> I'm still trying hanging on, but you know. Did you have long hair too? <laughs> it was it was a different style back then okay. of what a, a male feminist was, but it was but but writing Heather's from a female point of view was never about feminism, and it was always yeah. and it was always about like I just knew that you know when it comes to high school, 
I mean, men are chess, men are checkers, and women are chess. That it is the it is the the female game. And I had a younger sister, and she's very much got a lot like Veronica, and she's got great stories. Like the stories between me and my brother are pretty, pretty rugged, dazed and confused, not very fa- fascinating. But like the things that she had to go through is insane. And mm-hmm. and I you know, in, in general in general, again, I'm not coming from a, a feminist point of view, more women's stories, but more but I think it just makes your movie more interesting. Like because mm-hmm. when you make it from the female point of view, it's just more it just it you come at it a different way and it makes the whole thing more interesting. So it's almost like I'm a, from a mercenary point of view of like why wouldn't you make it a female point of view. It just, I mean, Shakespeare's done men to death, and Lady Macbeth's not that great of a character when you lay deep down. So, like, <laughs> you know, like to me, women was much more a fertile ground for me. Well, then why, um, just like, why would you put uh, JD like have a guy come in? And kind of make the story, you know. But 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 you guys were very astute when you talked about JD and that it was that character that like I, my thing is I like to lull people in with cliches like mm-hmm. okay oh we okay okay I get it it's going to be this movie like where the rebel comes in and saves yeah. her and like okay got it got it done yeah you and, gotta have that romance in there too That's yeah and James and, Dean making it yeah perfectly J- clear I mean I mean I couldn't have made it any clearer juvenile <laughs> delinquent James Dean J D such a great name and then but then you know and there's always I always saw something psychotic about that dynamic and like and to for me to lull you in and think it's going to be that thing and then turn it turn it on its head and then make it. You know, it's like you say, the the best moment of the movie or one of the best moments is her, you know, smoking a cigarette off the, the, the flames of his burning body. Like th- that you – didn't, you, didn't, you didn't think it was going to go there, like mm-hmm. uh, hopefully. Right. Like, you know, that, that – um, so it's like it, it was kind of like examining the psychosis of that dynamic. But it is entertaining that dynamic while it's going too. Like that there is – that when you're surrounded by all these doofuses um, – Turn around and having nothing to offer the school but date rapes and AIDS jokes. That he is going to come out as something interesting, and you can enjoy that too. But you got to stand on your own two feet at the end. And again, it's like you know, I was not coming to oh, sisters doing it for themselves. It was more like the, this was just fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I read that you said that you had sort of a journalistic point of view about high school. I mean, is that how you would dis- is that an well, 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 I definitely had. I would definitely was the outside looking in. Like mm-hmm. I had my own common school newspaper. I always said like I was the United Nations nerd, where like if if you if one click says something says send someone to the United Nations, I'd be the geek guy. Like <laughs> I'm the king of the geeks. Like you know, so it had a little more luster. But yeah, I always had a dete- like. You know, you could say to my detriment that I never really felt things. Like I was like not like, oh, I'm being traumatized. I'm being bullied. I was like, wow, this is good shit. Like mm-hmm. you know, this is this is interesting. Like this because you know I've always said that high school is our universal experience. You know, we don't all go to war and we don't all go to Europe and we but we all go we all pretty much go to high school. So it's like something. It's a war experience you can all relate to. I think I think you might still be going through the trauma, right? Mm-hmm. When you're well, half a half a year out, yeah, half a year out, and I'm still traumatized by sophomore year. <laughs> well, Heather's was—I mean, Heather's is the last movie to be a public service announcement. But I always think that that Heather's like I, come people come up to me all the time and say Heather's is the movie that got me through high school. 
which I take as a compliment because I mean I think you get these you get these pat on your back themes like it gets better and like don't worry everything's going to be okay when you grow up and then like but I like I like having the counter measure of like saying Heather says oh no this is awful this is this is terrible and and, and you may not survive it like you know, <laughs> like there's something almost comforting about having a movie tell you like oh no this is the worst experience you ever go through like you know that, that okay all right, it's finally a movie. Like, and the movie's very inflated and you know heightened reality and all that. But high school's heightened reality, and and so it's like finally people like okay, finally a movie's speaking to me on my on my wavelength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, talk about what was going on at the time that you wrote the script with teen suicide and how you chose to make that you know not uh, the scapegoat. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Teens, I mean, I'm still pissed off it still exists because I thought Heathers would cure it. Like, because yeah. everybody would like, I can't commit teen suicide now because they made such good fun of it. But like, you know, it wasn't really making fun of it, but it was making fun of the phenomenon. And that, that there was so much, you can't appreciate, I mean, you think you can go back and look at certain films. I think there was one called Permanent Record um, with Keanu Reeves. And, um, but there was so many after school specials and teen, and, and, Made for TV movies. There was one with Molly Ringwald called Surviving, which I really, really kind of ticked me off and inspi- inspired me to start like thinking satirically. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that's it's when I see things that are too earnest. Um, like, and it was not like I want to make the movie that really explores teen suicide. I want to make the movie that explores bulimia and bullying. Mm-hmm. It's like, I always think that that's to make that movie is too earnest. I want to make the movie after that movie, a movie that assumes we all know that stuff and then really fucks with your mind. Mm-hmm. But, but, but for instance, every movie had that scene of like where the f- the funeral happens and like it's such a vi- such a sweet victory because mm-hmm. because these movies create the fantasy of watching your own funeral like oh if I commit teen suicide this is gravy this is going to be the best time ever my funeral is going to be so good because everyone's going to be crying and everyone's going to say how great I am and 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 how the world is horrible and I'm not horrible and I'm a victim of the world and like I thought this is a terrible message to send like you know they're, they're, like geez. I'm feeling pretty good today, but I want to commit suicide just to get this good stuff. And yeah. and so it's like that's where that's where I love my dead gay son came from. Is like Jesus, you can practically hear him say this. Say they practically, you know, I didn't. I can't even say I invented that line because they say variations of that line in the serious versions of movies. So mm-hmm. it was almost like. I really wanted to expose that. Not, you know, of course I'm not saying anything about real teen depression or real teen suicide, right. but just the way it is exalted is not good for anybody. Yeah, I, I you've listened to our that podcast more recently than we have <laughs> of ours, so I'm not I think I mentioned this in that podcast, but I'm not sure um that when I was a teenager, I I went to several different high schools and so a girl who was in our friend group. Yeah, I know. I was saying to myself, why isn't she quoting <laughs> seven, seven schools and seven states? And the only thing different is my locker combination. The line was – it's one of my favorite lines. It's just hang it out there for you to quote. And you didn't do it. <laughs> uh, but part of the way I felt is that everyone, you know, was the, – the, right after she did kill herself and there was the shock and 
everyone suddenly was this girl's friend and I was technically part of her friend group, but the truth was I wasn't really close to her. I didn't know her that well. And I felt really uncomfortable being, you know, the, yeah. the, the friend group got to go home early. The friend group got to, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do here, but seeing exactly what you put in Heather's is how there's sort of a, how other people take the death and then, somehow promote themselves. I see this, by the way, with like Twitter and social media, every time somebody dies and, and everyone's out there, you know, ripping it, you know, and, and it feels almost like they're promoting themselves because, Oh, I knew this celebrity or I, you know, I have this connection and I'm like, I don't know. That seems, is that okay? (laughs) No, it's all, it's always the anecdote involving them that like, and now I'm going to be, they were 95 and, and we're about to die for the last 20 years, but now I can't do anything today because I'm so depressed. Like, yeah, you know, this death thing happens to everybody, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's funny early on when the movie was still fresh and I was going to film festivals with it, I had people who's, they would come up to me like, you know, my son committed suicide. I'm like, Oh God, why did he write this movie? And then, but then they would say, wow, you got so much right. I'm mm-hmm. like, geez, I don't know if I should be comforted by like, but yeah, I, the bulimia thing I think is is interesting too. That was going on big time in the '80s. I don't know if it still is. You can tell us what high schools are like. Are they? Um, at the first high school I went to, that was terrible. Uh-huh. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. and middle school. I mean, it is effective. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. I, I thought by junior year people like that, and like people are more like. When they see someone, like, kind of hurting themselves now, they'll be like, hey, are you anorexic? Are you – they'll, like, talk to you about it. Yeah, if they well, can I notice. feel like everybody knows the language now. There, mm-hmm. there was there was definitely not the willingness to talk about things, that, mm-hmm. which made my job much more funny because it, like, <laughs> it was all unearthing things that hadn't been really said or talked about. And then instead of, like I said, instead of going right to the serious version, I went to the – Assume everyone deep down knows the serious version, and I'm going to do the comic version that kind of messes with your head. Well, I thought that's the it, best kind of version, honestly. <laughs> if if there was a a slowing down of um, and I I did look it up. I think it, it you know about the rates of bulimia and <laughs> anorexia. Um, because what was interesting to me is in the 80s, by them trying to stop everyone from doing it, I felt like they. We're in a sense promoting it. Hey, get kids, this yeah. is something you could do. Because I know, like I, you mentioned before we started, that I worked in a candy store and a chocolate store. Like basically every sweet, fattening, delicious oh, thing geez. a teenager would like, and gain ten pounds. So I'm like, well, let's try out this bulimia thing. And then you know, I never, I didn't have a problem with it. I was more, and I'm not, I'm actually really not good at throwing. I can't make myself throw up. I was a terrible bulimic. I mean, yeah. I was not good. Well, neither, neither <laughs> Heather Duke. That's why she needs Veronica's finger. Exactly. Which I actually had heard from somebody too that 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 you did that they needed assisted assisted bulimia so yeah. i'm like you know it make it's such a great thing for veronica for mm-hmm. veronica because you know i like again another choice i made i didn't want to make carrie too i didn't want to make the from the point of view of the oh i'm unpopular and i'm going to get these popular girls i wanted to put her again not even making it a thing like put it you hit the ground running she's already 
one of the most popular girls there. So it's just like you're immediately like, wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to have the scene where she becomes popular? Like which they ended up doing for the musical and doing Mean Girls. But I liked hitting the ground running. We are in this sanctum. Like you, you, you know, so you feel like already you're 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 unprepared for like wait, or we're we're behind we're behind the curtain already, like uh-huh. it, which it helps helps uh, dis- jar everyone, which is good, which I'd love to jar people. <laughs> well, I think well, it was an what? effective use of Heather Chandler and just that she says that's so 1987, and um and then therefore. I thought put a message out to the world like Heather yes. Chandler is now ridiculing you if you, you know, are bulimic. So it made it uncool in a way. Yeah. You know, they uh, right now instead of – well, I don't think people are bulimic anymore. I just think kids my age drink too much and they're like, oh, no, I don't want to wait this out until I puke. So they call it pull trig. Oh, man. I, trig. Lo- I love that. Yeah. yeah. So they just do that, oh but God. I won't. People only do it when they're like drunk. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this alcoholism is really helping my bulimia. I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> exactly. Whatever right. it takes. Um, so the parents thing you brought up about how they were always blaming the parents. I, you know, on this podcast we do talk about right, like how how things affect society. In these films that all had teenagers saying, "Oh, you're not to blame. It's your parents who are to blame." Do you think that this, you know, film after film of of kids in the 80s being told, hey, it's not your fault. It's your parents' fault. It's the adults' fault. It's authority's fault. Um, do you think that helped get us to the place we are now? I mean, now we have presidents who don't accept responsibility for their actions and always blame other people, you know? Um, do you do you think that, I mean, that was like a, a slow change to get to this point, but do you think that has something to do with it? It's it's tough because now parents are much more invested in it. It's not really helping the kids. <laughs> like, you know, that, that, it's its own weird thing itself. But, um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's hard for me to say. It's that um, what, you know, it was more like I was trying to, like there's a line that JD has of like, do you like where Veronica goes? Do you like your father? And he goes, I've never given the matter much thought. And like, it was more like that that we compartmentalized our parents a lot more. I thought than in movies, in than in movies back then, where suddenly like the parents were so involved in your growth and your thing. When when it was really like. Yeah, the parents are the people you have the pate with and like you move on and like you tell them tell them what they need to know to make sure that like you know I even th- you know I always thought getting good grades is the best scam there is like if you can get good grades you can strangle puppies like <laughs> after school like you know that that it's just it's good to feed the parents little things and so I always thought like there was always a de- there was a detachment with the parents that wasn't really explored in teen films and things and and now like i just know from my brother and sister now that they have kids like just like okay it's a totally different ball game but but it's all but but i think people are now admitting that no one ever gets mature like i feel like there was still the 80s were the last that there were a separation between adults and children and young people and i feel like there's no separation now and so when i see somebody like when you bring up like trump or somebody I think he's a child. Like I, I don't. I don't. Where's, where's the adult acting badly? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's somebody who's not an adult. 
Mm-hmm. Like, where are the adults that we can we can criticize and like make fun of? I think maybe if if anything, the eighties infant 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 infantilized everybody, like, <laughs> made everybody into babies. You know? Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. Didn't and you had some questions about the parents, right? Uh, about he answered it. Oh, okay. I was just gonna say how they were like detached, and how there's only like three real conversations between them, and two of them are like, exactly. But, but, yeah, they're the but same. They, but That's... they, but they do have a real kind. Con- they do have a bit of a doozy, like you know. The, it's the, a conversation, but it's also like a bullet points kind of. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I would rewrite that. I would rewrite the parents so differently now. Like I would make them. Well, it's so funny. It was still back. It was still back. And this is definitely a thing of '80s movies that went away, where. Like the parents actually look like parents back in eighties movies, mm-hmm. and 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 you guys are a bad example because you look like sisters. But but uh, but Thank but you. but <laughs> but but I feel like in CW shows, the person cast as the father is two years older than the person cast as the daughter. Like <laughs> like wait what? That's that's the father of three kids. He looks like a male model. Like and yeah. then I feel like. Back then, back in the '80s films, it was Paul Dooley and like you know, and Sixteen Candles and older actors. And like, I feel like that's went away. And 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 even the reality, everybody feels like the parents are now keeping better shape. And I feel like the, the where was that? Where'd that go? And so I, I would I would make the parents a little younger, and I would make them more. More, you know, not not just not just more engaged. Like they weren't engaged, and so when that speech comes out of, when we say they're being treated like human beings because they are being treated like human beings, yeah. it does come out of nowhere, like uh, pulling down a screen with a bulletproof presentation. When I when I wish it would be more casual, and then, but we we love each other, right? We this is good, right? We're all good. We're all good. Like you know. Yeah. That I think that's the way the parents talk is like when they get mad at their kid, they're like, "Okay, but this is good, right? We we had a conversation, right? We had a breakthrough, right? Like, you know." <laughs> I think though that you, you know, how's you're saying that you helped steer into the '90s with Heather's is that parenting really started changing because these uh, at that time, like the 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 um, young people who became parents around 1989, 1990, started parenting differently than they did in the 80s. So the 80s, they were they were super detached. The 90s, they start to creep in and they start to be the you can be anything you want to be and like that sort of. It, it it's a it's a it's a funny and it's part of your program's thesis. It's a funny thing is like that 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 suddenly like well wait a minute I. I was the teenager in an eighties movie. I don't want to become the parent in an eighties movie. So uh-huh. like I gotta I gotta redefine parenthood somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so let's talk about the um sexual assault dodgeball that we see <laughs> go throughout the whole film. Uh you know, it's not just one example or one kind that we see. I mean, Veronica is Constantly assaulted, right? (laughs) Even by JD at some point, you know, of of people trying, you know, guys trying to get in her pants, as they used to say, um, and her her fending herself off. Um, And then Heather, which Heather was it? Heather McNamara, which we do want to know about that last name. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I was was like, is this this the key to our obsession, a McNamara last name? (laughs) 
Um, but we'll we'll come back to that. Because I have a lot of Heathers who come up to me, but I've never had a, a McNamara, a McNamara come, come at you. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and uh, what do you got against McNamara? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, so now we have to find out where did the last name McNamara come from? You don't know. You've never read. You've never no. read any. It's 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 actually kind of. A, I'm sure Riley may find the answer boring, but there there was a. a um, for for you older viewers out there, listeners out there, <laughs> it is going back to Vietnam, where where like I happen to be reading um, the best and the brightest uh, David Halberstam book about how we got into Vietnam, and it was uh, kind of um, Kennedy had his coven of advisors, and one of them was Robert McNamara, and I wanted like like, and I always loved that. The the Veronica and the Heather's were this secret coven that ran the school, so so like and I always compared her to the there's a Nazi Albert Speer who was the great Nazi he was a very nice guy great architecture architect and like I always thought Veronica is Albert Speer and like she she's the good Nazi and Robert McNamara is just one of the one of the bad guys I mean he's actually a very smart man. But there's a documentary about him, The Fog of War. Now we're really going down a portal. But, <laughs> but so I just and I and and the, you know and it was also just like y- y- when you're typing your first script and it's it's it has three characters named Heather's three he- three characters named Heather. You want to really make the three last names really different. So just on the page, I had Chandler and I was obsessed with Patty Duke, so I liked Heather Duke. And then McNamara was just like, what a what a what a juicy name! Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I, that's that's where Heather McNamara came from. Well, I'm going to make business cards and put Tara McNamara. What a juicy name! <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Heather Chandler is Kim Walker. Yeah, I know that was my maiden name. So yeah. I'm, oh really? I'm no, just all over this. Yeah, oh God, Walker McNamara Stabile. Oh, nice. So. So we'll go back now to oh, the – Go back to sexual harassment. No, sex, sexual assault, back. dodgeball. Um, so – but I th- I do think that that's interesting and I'm curious, you, male writer, you know, why why did you incorporate that so many times in so many different ways? Like, Well, yeah. And I mean and unfortunately it goes back to guys in high school that they are not very fascinating. I don't want to make a movie about guys in high school because um, – they suck. Because <laughs> they suck, yes. Um, but but and it but and it also fascinated me that the women have these interesting dramas going on, but then they then they have these boyfriends that are just not worthy of them. Maybe this is the 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 nerd the nerd writer talking like I was like why did they go out with these guys and then and then the more I found out from my sister and other women I knew that and the and I found out things from the the most beautiful girl in our high school like who I thought was this Audrey Hepburn princess and it turned out like she ended up like like just having th- horrible sexual things with like s- these older guys and like it was just it just it it was just you know i mean the, the reality of it is not not even fun and and like it, and, and again again good dan, good dan waters would have taken a jeweler's loop and like i am going to make a movie exposing the sexual harassment and the thuggish behavior of males but to me, it was almost more chilling of just taking that for granted and making it just putting it inside the fabric of the the movie and like have it something in the background, like 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 you like you said, there's a you know a, a date rape that 
nobody involved, neither he, neither Ram or Heather McNamara probably thinks it's a date rape. They just think it's like, oh, God, this is guys. Like this is what we get for, you know, not not calling in an evening too quickly. And that's like flopping around in the background while J.D. and Veronica have this conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's like to me it made it that much more ugly if – it's just part of the fabric. It's just not like I'm not even examining it. I'm not even stopping the stopping the movie to say, look at this terrible behavior. Of course, then when we kill Kurt and Ram, nobody's feeling bad about it. It's part of the mm-hmm. reason, like you know. And again, going back to my one of my second favorite lines of the movie is the um, you know they had nothing to offer to school but date rapes and AIDS jokes, mm-hmm. like which again, like you could do a whole movie about date rapes and AIDS jokes, and but. It's just a throwaway line. Like we are hitting the ground running. We are not going to stop for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I just thought that everything with it is so truthful. From um, Heather Chandler, you know, her boyfriend makes the comment, or the college boyfriend makes a comment. Oh, I just can't control myself. So yeah. she's like, okay, well, I guess yeah. I better do this. This is going to be the better option for me than to to give him oral sex than getting raped which is probably what's going to happen. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, and another movie wouldn't have included her spitting and spitting mm-hmm, yeah. in the mirror. They would have kept her just like okay, she's just the mean girl. Like, you know. Right. But why would she make try and make Veronica also go through that because she got mad at her for not doing Yeah, it no, because because why should she why should Veronica get away without doing True. it? Why why you know, at least if she's with me then I'll feel better about myself and just think that this is the karma of all of us. Yeah. That, that. You know, the, the Brett Kavanaugh allegations um, about the girl who would be, they would be drunk and then there would be a line outside the door and, you know, of guys who are going to go rape her. And the, there were women at the party, you know, <laughs> like, and these, it sounds like they were regular occurrences yeah. and, yeah. And, and so and also to be able to call somebody else a whore and you not be called a whore that that's 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 gold yeah which you yeah. you get when they're making yeah. fun of oh i heard what you did last night no matter what veronica yeah, says. I, tr- I tried I, I think in the original sky i had more of a speech for her she has that speech g blank i had a nice time tonight which somebody just quoted back to me and i'm like i was so touched like oh i had to give him the g blank speech like oh people actually use that that's great <laughs> but um uh, yeah, there's a there's a scene in Mean Girls that got cut out of the movie that's actually on the DVD. Quoting my brother, damn it, and Tina Fey, um, <laughs> but there, where Lacey Chabert's in the mirror and just like tonight, I'm finally going to have sex, and and then one of the other girls say, "But you've had sex before, but this time I'm going to enjoy it," <laughs> which I thought was great. And also, there's another very influential book to me, and it's going to I'm going to blow your mind when I tell you what it's called. Um, it's the book that Fast Times at Ridgemont High is based on. Mm-hmm. That which, Cam- is hard, which is like impossible to get Cameron now. Crow, which I probably shouldn't have thrown away my cup. It's – and I've told Cameron Crowe this too. I mean it is such a darker, more chilling book than than the movie. Like I like the movie but when, I, when the movie is coming out – I thought it was going to be the Godfather of teen films, is like because it had so the book had so much stuff, and there's a and there's a scene that was very influential to me where the character that Phoebe Cates ends up playing in the movie, um, she I think she even in the movie talks about she has this b- boyfriend that's away, yeah, in, 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 an older boyfriend because that was the appeal in the eighties. If you're a teenager, if you dated an older guy who was 
graduated, you know, he was in college. You were so cool. Yeah. Which yeah. is what led to lots of sexual assaults. Yeah, but, that's perverted. And there's a chapter in there's a chapter in the book where she goes, Okay, uh, there's a nice guy who's in senior class, like, you know, I'm just gonna go out with him. Yeah. And and the book, just no amusement whatsoever. It just takes them through the date where they go to a fast food restaurant and he makes he makes has fun with somebody in the back and then but then he just drives her to the top of the hill and pushes her head down. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the chapter. And like just no, no comment, no frills to it. And I was just like – it was so just gut-wrenching. Like Jesus. Yeah. That, that's what constitutes a date. And so like I, I always remembered that. And like Amy Heckerling didn't um, film the scene. But so I kind of like in many ways stole that scene for Heather's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean I know they, they changed – made – made her change some of the sex scenes in Fast Times as well, which probably changed again minds. Yeah, well, it, the sex scenes in Fast Times and Richard Mile High, are very, those are very well done. Those yeah. Are very realistic. But I think, that, I think yeah. that the original one where she has sex with the older guy when she sneaks out of the house, when Stacy sneaks out of the house, is um, originally filmed to be more awful for her, you know, <laughs> just more like less enjoyable, which yeah. is also a hallmark of 80s teen sex is yes. like, no, it's just about the guy. And I'm always fascinated by these old films that you see where guys would say, oh, she laid there like a cold fish. And I'm just thinking, how did yeah. no one that enjoyable? Yeah, it's, it's like, like because whose your fault fe- was that? Your foreplay game was so good. Like, I, <laughs> There's a reason. I mean, like you, you bought a whole pizza. I mean, come on. <laughs> It's super weird now because uh, I think I I was thinking about it and now I'm like, girls honestly are not hurt by the term whore or slut anymore. They're the girls that are hurt are usually the ones who have been sexually assaulted and then called a whore for it. And you're mm-hmm. like, bro. But girls now, I think since rape, since rape is like now like a huge thing. Yeah, we're um, all aware and aware that it's wrong. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> so now being heard and listened to. So yeah. now girls are like. I can be a whore, but it's the boy's fault if they come on to me, which is true. It is their fault. But now girls are like exploiting their whoreness. And it's kind of like, (laughs) it's kind of like, I feel like it's to get back at guys. Like, because it's like here, here's my entire body that you can see, but you can't touch it. Like, you know, like social media, like works like that. Yeah, that's, that's the whole did you Explo- see what your hornets? That's a whole new game. Did yeah. you see the girl? So there's in the this- 80s. Mothers would have said, you know, you're you're playing with fire. You're and other people said you were asking exactly. for it. Exactly. And, yeah. But now it's like, no, it's the guy who's like a rapist. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, just like a quick side note, there was a girl. So, you know, the Australian fires right now. Yes. There's a girl on Twitter who posted a thing and it says, if you donate $10 to the wildfires in Australia, I will send you my nudes. And so she put it on Twitter and it got like 200,000 retweets or whatever. She tweets again and she says, my family disowned me. All my accounts got deleted. Can't find a job, but fuck it. (laughs) Save the koalas. Uh Like, like... She's like, like girls are exploiting it because we like w- us girls have uh, like more. We have well, so much more power than we like give ourselves with sex. We can control men, control them. All you just have to do is like put a little cleavage out, and all that's that's it. Like that's it. Yes, but that's a dangerous power, and and it is a and, dangerous and, power. And, but it also makes us weak in a way because and some men would and men 
kind of love the myth that oh own it girl you you go girl more nu- more nudity the, if that empowers you then, then we're, <laughs> you, let it happen oh i would just also like to add that uh the girl who did the 10 dollars thing she um raised i think um a uh, million dollars to ten million dollars, a lot of money. Yeah, Jeez. okay, it yeah, worked. it was the exact. That's what I'm saying. That's she, like she, she has so much power. She needs a better agent. Well, I was she gonna say it's she, free on the. She, she could have done fifty. It's I know not it's hard to find boobs anymore. That's you the know? thing with guys, though. That's the thing. <laughs> well, it's that's like it's like you can story. just go search porn. Why are you asking me for naked pictures of me when you could literally just type in th- four letters porn and like. You don't even know. That's, it's, 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 it's strange for a man of my generation where we had to work with our mother's Cosmopolitan magazine. Oh. Like, you know, and just. 1978 we, we had, Cosmopolitan. We were geniuses back then. 1978 Cosmopolitan in Heather Chandler's locker. Why is there a 1978 Cosmopolitan? Wow. I don't know. I, that <laughs> was the first was thing. certainly not in the script. It must be 1978. Although, geez. That's probably that was probably the core core cosmopolitans I used back then instead of porn. No, no, no. But I'm just saying because I've always wondered that. That's I thought funny. there was a there had to be a specific reason. Just like you hear with the because, Shining, yeah. Stanley Kubrick, right? Like Jack Nicholson when he's in the lobby, he's looking at a specific issue of Playgirl magazine that is old, and it is and there's an article that's in there that can take you down a rabbit hole. Oh, that's uh, of funny. Maybe what the secret meaning of the shining is? Wow, I I cannot. I wish because a lot of times we just take what's what whatever's there's a around, but there's <laughs> there's not going to be a 1978 cosmopolitan around. I have to I have to find out from the production design people about that. But that's funny. <laughs> um. So okay. So you we 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 zoomed ahead. Let's go back really quick and just say. So you wrote this screenplay and you're living with. With Larry, who I'm, I don't want to say his last name wrong. I'm always afraid I'm going to botch people's last names. So I'll let you say it. It's Karaszewski. <laughs> there you go. And um, and you is he like encouraging you? Is he chiming in? I mean, is this two writers? Like, is is I mean, I just I yeah. imagine you two stoned in a room oh. coming up with all of these. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Oh my god, I was I was such a late bloomer for everything, <laughs> everything good. Um, I was so sober. <laughs> Well, this is what I tried to tell her. People were not smoking pot, though, that were my oh, age, well, at least. And well, yeah, you and you true. can't appreciate how bad the pot was when we were smoking. At, at <laughs> like you, you, the quality of the pot you, you youngins have is so much better. Like, you know, we, we, we're advanced. It bro. would take nine thousand joints to get to where one joint <laughs> anyway. But that's a, that's another story for another podcast. But um, uh. Yeah, no, they were very. I mean, I was, I, and I still recommend this. I didn't tell anybody. Hey, I'm writing my dark satire teen teen films today. Like I'm going, like I didn't tell anybody really what I was writing, and I, which I believe is great because you're always getting unwanted criticism and unwanted examination when you tell people every day what you're writing. Oh, I came with a new scene, so it's kind of like I was the kooky hunchback like coming up with something like it so i definitely created a thing well geez it better be good he's been so weird and taking so long to write it but so i think people were grateful that it turned out good and so they were very everyone was very positive and you get the notes to scale it back so so you have the screenplay you find an agent through larry or i found an agent through larry the agent larry found me who um 
was kind of like, okay, this is a really twisted script. This will be our little secret. It, it shows you can write, but we shouldn't show this to anybody. So she put it in a drawer. And then um, the guy who ultimately directed the film was also at USC, Michael Lehman. He gave it to his agent, and his agent was like, what are you talking about? This We should be shouting this script from the rooftop. So she gave it to everyone in town, and it really caused a splash. No one wanted to make it. So it was, it's, it's still almost an accident that the movie actually got made but it was like people could tell that i could write that it was like oh this script's never going to be made in a movie but wow this guy's really got a great mind so come and do our like i got offered the parent trap part three that's the level things like, <laughs> so it's like make your crazy sensibility and put it in this so so it was almost like a miracle that the movie actually happened and was it i thought i read somewhere that it, it was because of home video that they said yes? Well, th- that's the thing. You can't appreciate now because now I feel like every movie that comes out, you know well in advance. It's playing here. It's playing here. It's about a superhero or it's about a monster or it's about – and there were so many other mo- accidental movies back then where there was these small studios that weren't like low-budget Sundance, my we're going to lose the farm kind of movies but and, and we have a bad relationship in our backyard um, but – and not – big budget like superhero movies but kind of a middle ground where all these weird stuff was happening of like you know movies that were cost like you know under 10 million dollars but above three million dollars where like you know movies like blue velvet and things like that were made in this scale this middle scale that doesn't exist anymore so for discovery at blockbuster yeah yeah and and it was because they could be they can make their money back by selling it to video they could that that doesn't no longer exist. They don't have that free money because you got a lot. You got so many movies made. Sometimes some of them wouldn't even be released in the theaters. But um, yeah, vid- now you have a million streaming services. I yeah, know. well, now it's a yeah. Now it's it's whole different. Now it's another different thing. Where which but but you know you know to me I'm an old fogey. You can't beat the experience of seeing it for the first time in a theater. Even though Heather's was mostly seen on video cassette, and I I hate. I hate the poster of Heather's. I hate that artwork. It drives me nuts. It's so horrible. In front of the chalkboard? Yeah, in front of the chalkboard. It's just so lame and dainty and candy and like Romantic but 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 then but then I've I've learned to shut up waters like that video cover is what allowed people to rent it at video stores. Like people, the people at the video store wouldn't even check the rating. They're like, "Oh, look at this goofy piece of shit." Because there's uh, another one where yeah, it's like a dead girl, right? Yeah. Well, now now they're starting to get a little darker, but yeah. But the first one when people rented it was like, "Ooh, look at this cute little." Oh, you go home and watch your My Little Pony movie, and like, and, and so it was. It kind of got a lot of people and infected the brains that people people rented it. Like they didn't even know it was going to be. So it infected their brains. Which is the best way. Like, like, I mean, like my brother, Mean Girls, he wants – he does test screenings. He wants everybody to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, it's much better if there's a couple – it's not fun if everybody's laughing. Like it's much better. <laughs> it's, mu- it's much better if like, you know, because, you know, if you've got a good 25, 30 percent of people who hate it, then it makes the other percent like it even more. Like, I mean, I always bring up the tale. My, fa- my favorite viewing experience is – um, a couple came out to me and said they used to be go out with other people. They went on a double date. They saw Heather's at a repertory theater. Their boyfriend and her, her and, and his girlfriend, they started talking about how much they hated the movie and how awful Heather's is. And then they got, they just broke up with them right then and started going out. <laughs> the, the Heather's lovers started going out with each other. So 
if I can if I can break up some couples like and bring Heather's lovers together, that's the best. Yeah. Um. Quick question: Why croquet? <laughs> you, you, boy, you know how much better is croquet than Twitter? Though, like you know, I mean, <laughs> I got I got lucky that I that I made this before the explosion. I'm, um. Yeah, croquet was certainly not a thing we did in the '80s. It was not a thing for '80s team film. I like how people come up to me and say, "So croquet was big in the '80s, right?" Like, no, not really. <laughs> Kurt Cobain did not kill croquet. Um, yeah, it was, but it was like it, it's a game that has meanness in it. It mm-hmm. has gamesmanship and cruelty. It's also got like an aristocratic flavor. Like it is something that you can see the the upper sanctum doing together. And so it's kind of like, and you and you can talk. You can. It's not basketball. It's not badminton. It's mm-hmm. like you can talk and plot and scheme and. And you know when she has to when she hangs out with her old friend Betty Finn, um, she's eventually got to knock her out because she's a loser and she's a winner and that's the way it is. Like mm. so, it's a, it's a it's a certain cruelty to the game that I thought was perfect. So yeah, but Betty admits that she's like, why why wouldn't you hit me out? She's yes. like, just hit me out, just win. So it's called good writing. <laughs> <laughs> so as you're making the the film. You, I mean, I, I've, these are things I've read. I don't necessarily want you to repeat what you said, I, but I, you, um, but you get notes. You, people are asking you to scale back some parts. You have actresses whose parents don't allow them to take the roles, but you're very young. And I think there is something to being young, uh, especially before you have kids where you're just like, no, what's wrong with all of you? You know? Yeah. Well, again, it goes back to naivete. Like I, I, I don't think I'm offending people. I'm just doing something fresh. And the, but then, but again, it also goes back to like, hey, it must be working if somebody doesn't like it. And you know, if, very and, strategic thinking. Yeah, and and the the casting process. Uh, yes, we definitely had some actors' parents that wouldn't let them do it, and they were under eighteen, so it was mm-hmm. like pro- probably best that they don't do it. And but you know, Winona's parents loved it. Like you know, that's all we needed. Like I mean. Um, I mean, it's a great. I think it's the great. The 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 actors find the movie. Like, I mean, I don't want anybody in here who's going to regret it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Shannon did famously at the cast and crew screening come out and say, "Nobody told me it was a comedy." Like, you know, but <laughs> but if that helped her performance, that's great. Right. That's great. Like, and and you know, and I can't thank the actors enough because I think they definitely elevated the material. I think my. My script was a little darker and more heartless, and then but when you put Winona Ryder in it, suddenly, she, and Veronica is doing some pretty sketchy things. But when Winona Ryder's doing it, it's like you're right along with her. So it it it, it definitely helped. So mm-hmm. yeah, but I yeah I had no problem with being the bad boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and it was again mostly the ending that mm-hmm. people like you know that they were. Like even this, the people who made the movie were pretty cool, but they were all along the ride for the ending. I think you got something with the ending wrong that J.D. didn't blow up the school at the end of the original right, script. Right, it right, was, It was Veronica kills J.D. Right. And then she stands in front of the bomb and she's like, hmm, maybe this is a good idea. And she just lets the bomb click off the last 10 seconds and then blows up. Mm-hmm. And then there's another ending, the ending that we ended up being the shooting script where um, – she kills JD and she walks alone away from the pep rally, away from the school. She's narrating and then she turns around and she's wearing she's wearing the bomb. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then we fade to black and you just hear her go boom. 
And so that was another fun ending. (laughs) But yeah, and yeah, it's like I was a a kind of like, you can't believe they make me do this happy ending. Uh So it was like, but there's, I'd like to think there's a certain irony to the happy ending and a certain, um, and, but you know, like I talked to the guys who did the musical and like, if the movie didn't have a happy ending, they would have never thought of doing a musical about it. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I love the, love the musical. It's given me permission to love Heather's and love myself, and it's great. And when I do drink at night and and you know look up Dan Waters, why hasn't he written more good movies? And <laughs> is he still relevant? Like I, I love coming across like high school productions of the musical because they are putting their hearts into mm-hmm. it, and it's so. Even even when they're not good, they're heartbreaking. Even yeah. even yeah. when the JDs are of dubious sexuality, it still blows my makes me cry. And so it's like I, I did I do I do I do love the musical. So if if the happy ending was enough to get the musical, that's good enough for me. Did you so you were listening to the stories of your um, younger siblings to kind of stay in that high school mode? Was there any other research that you went back to do? Because I mean, you graduated. High school when, 1980? We're the ones that can get it done. We're the class of 81. Okay. Um, <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean... It's changed a lot. I mean, the school. thing is, the thing, yeah, the thing is I didn't do a lot of research. I did interview my sister with clunky questions and, like, she she did, I mean, she was the forger for this high school. Like, she did come up, that, that whole note thing is... Pure Stephanie Kraft, if she's listening. Nice, um, but uh, that is so. I and I wonder because I was like, that's so specific, and I thought it was just a device to. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's the best one. When you come up with something like, "Oh my God, I can use this to forge a suicide note." It's like, but no, my sister was the the handwriting forger, evil evil succubus that she is. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, so and then so because the movie is is almost as much about cultural um, depictions of high school mm-hmm. than high school itself. Like I said, I'm not making a documentary here. I'm making I'm making like taking what I know about the real high school experience in general, what pop culture is treating the high school experience like and and not doing one th- do, not doing a documentary but doing a way that plays off both of them. Like when you think I'm going to do something documentary like about high school, I do something crazy. When I think I'm going to do something crazy, I do something real. Like I think mixing it up is is what keeps people lose. Keep bringing up the word jarring, but like I, it keeps people off their toes. Like, well, you know, all the side characters, supporting characters. The, I mean, you know, when we talk about why it's still so relevant, is because it depicts high school as it still is, right? The groups, but even you know, the stoner, the the you know the, the the middle the kids who aren't the most popular and aren't the least popular they're somewhere in the middle the high school newspaper editor you know these yeah, are well, all it is archetypes fu- that exist yeah it is I mean I had those basic it is funny like even Mean Girls had uh, mean <laughs> mean Asian girls like you know that 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 the, like I like that there's a new group every time like even Jawbreaker did new groups and like you know that that you know we're gonna keep adding the group but we you still got your basic food groups of jocks and stoners and 
Mm-hmm. The top popular girls. Well, what's now? It's honestly, I mean, personally, I was never a groupie. I can't do <laughs> clicks. Like people get tired of me way too easy, <laughs> so I have to You're roam. A floater. Yeah, yeah, I'm a floater. <laughs> but I think that a lot of people, no one's a floater. But I think that groups are colliding. I yeah, because there's there's things that like I mean I don't want to be put the bad part on but if you're if you're popular and you're friends with the stoners you get the best weed. You know what I mean? If you're yes. if you're a stoner and you're friends with popular kids you get invited to parties. Like and even like the nerds like it, no one cares. The popular kids are really smart too. Like they'll you know collaborate. Well, yeah, that was a great thing in Booksmart where uh, everybody's kind of smart. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. No, I have I have um, two two three nieces in high school and one niece about to go into high school, and so I, I have kept up a little bit, and it has become much more amorphous that there is a lot of bleeding between cliques, and like and part of the reason is we've they've seen these movies like that that. That the, and they have much. I mean, I'm not talking for you, Riley, but the, there seems to be much more demarcation of like those are the movies, and then now we're going back to real life, and like so that that you can make fun of the movie. But so you're you're conscious when somebody's behaving like something in a movie. Like, wait a minute, that's from that movie. Like mm-hmm. when when we were fight, fighting for ourselves back when I was in high school. It's so weird because, uh, like I said, my first high school that I hated, hate, 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 they're super, super clicky. Like, and I was still a roamer, but they would, like, think I'm weird for being a roamer, yeah. right? Where's your passport? <laughs> <laughs> but um, what's, what was weird is that, don't want to be mean, but the cheerleaders were actually the annoying fat chicks that no one liked. Well, <laughs> and the I, football players were all the guys that were honestly really weak and just needed a sport. Like, you know, it was, a, it yeah. was a very academic high school. It's, I said, it's an yeah. Ivy, get into Ivy League school. Yeah. 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 <laughs> even, in, even in the late 80s, cheerleaders were not the popular ones. Like, and so when I made Heather McNamara popular, I do have some lines of Heather Chandler, like kind of making fun of her for being a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And like, and only the principal thinks it's cool to be a cheerleader. Like already then it was a little low rent, but it was like, you almost like you need the visual of somebody. Somebody has got to be wearing a cheerleader outfit in a high school film. So, right. Well, they, yeah. uh, the, the college guy that with Veronica said, he was like, Oh, there's my little cheerleader. Oh yeah. 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 Even the East traffic in the cliches. Yeah. Yeah, well, for him, it's a token get. Then, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure he told everybody in school that he, man, she's a cheerleader, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's um. So as you're going, you have this. You basically you've created a revenge fantasy film, and it's a vigilante film, which also was popular in the '80s. Yeah, you, you've gotten better with your vigilante pronunciation. Oh, okay. All right. You were giving it a very mid-Atlantic vigilante. <laughs> The last, the last, the last All right, fine. So, so can listen, I have the vigilante with a You side can't of- make fun of people who are readers. Okay? <laughs> it means that they've figured out how to pronounce that have already. Oh yeah, believe always- me. I just found, <laughs> I just found out recently impotent and impotent are the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? There's no word called impotent. <laughs> you always thought impotent meant, yeah, uh, yeah important. You know? in, in an improv show, I accidentally it actually made it funnier. But I, instead of uh, Versace, I said Versace. I just straight up didn't know that was Versace. <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. <laughs> You're like that's it's because I'm a reader. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so you so you've made a vigilante film. So I have to. You've heard the previous podcast, so you know where I'm going. I have to ask you. So when Columbine happens, are you like, oh shit? 
I yeah, I, boy, this is where I, I, I'm getting. You should. I was afraid. You, I know, I, I, and it's no, cringy no, for no, me to no, ask. No, but no, 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 but I mean, part of me was like, operators, my phone working? Like, where, where's where are my phone calls? Like, and I was like, and I'm like you, like basketball diaries. Don't give me the basketball diaries. <laughs> it ain't the basketball diaries. Like I, th- I thought you know Heather deserved a little more credit. Like. You know, <laughs> Jeez, where's where's my where's my where's my school shooting residuals? Like, you know, oh, God. It's like, geez, what, what what's a guy got to do? <laughs> well, not get the TV series, uh, you know, renewed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Now the TV series gets punished, but um, uh, yeah, I'd like to think, I'd like to think he, he, to actually do that based on Heather's would be a mis- like. It, there's a certain catharsis to Heather's that, like, geez. You shouldn't have to do school shooting, but but the thing is, absolutely. When I wrote it, like I thought, hey, this is funny. I'm going to put this isn't about teen suicide; it's about murder because murder wasn't on the Cheesecake Factory menu back then, right? Like, you know, right. And now I feel like the menu's gotten huge now. Yeah. And I think you know the the problem is and you're like, oh, I was the first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the problem is like you think every, everything was weird, but but the internet has made nothing. It is de weirded everything. Uh-huh. Like there's something for everyone on the internet. So it's just like you can come anything you can come up has a chat group. Like anything you can come up has a site. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's 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 tough. But but I mean, again, I'm being horrible again. But you know, I, school shootings. Like I'm like. Wow, why aren't there more? Like, you know, that 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 is my attitude of like, you know, it, I think it's amazing how many school shootings don't happen. True. Like that that, that By the way. Because it's so it's so in people's minds and like and it's sounds so much more exciting than killing yourself. So like I don't know why it doesn't so, <laughs> so so it it does like, you know, it is it is a fascinating thing. Um well, my old the first high school I went to, they uh we had so many bomb threats, like where we had to leave school because people would call in and yeah. bomb threat or say that there was a shooter. Or sometimes there was like – people would say there was a shooter and we get locked in our classes like all the time. But most of the and time – why do they all have anxiety? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, there was uh, – none of them ever happened. The first time it happened though, they put all of us in one place. Oh, it was a school shooting and they put a, all of us on the field and we all were like running out, like ditching oh class. Gosh. It was crazy. Wow. But, um, but th- I only knew there was the only people I knew that got caught were these two like weirdos who threatened it cause they didn't want to take a test. So I don't like, <laughs> I don't know. This might be the sequel to Heather's is and they got arrested it, because also, um, there's a nearby high school where your friend William went, and they, he was friends with these this girl who did who they they stopped it beforehand, but she I guess had put some. She wrote like on the girl's bathroom, like saying like, "Oh, tomorrow you will all die," like something like super well. The thing weird. The, the but weird, hold on though, but yeah. she was celebrated for it. That's she, the thing. Well, she was. Well, they tried him. Th- he and the, his other best friend were best friends with her, and they were like a little group. And so then after that happened, um, his other best friend, the other girl, got called in. And the girl that did it blamed her best friend for it. So then 
Nick, my friend Nikki was getting all of like the blame and her and William were going in and being like, this is not true. It had to be her. She was the only person that went in the bathroom. Like what? And like, once they, but once they found out, then they, everybody thought, oh, everyone will turn on this. She left for, she like went to Mexico for a week. Yeah. Right? But then when she came back, it turned out that a lot of kids in the school were like, hey, you know, congratulate, like, good, really? good for you. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, Ugh. this is turning in oh, a way no. that I didn't Well, anticipate. yeah, they had they had the cops, like, come to, and there was, like, a whole, like, case for it, and then she just randomly went to Mexico, <laughs> and then she came back, and nothing happened. Like, absolutely oh, that's, nothing that's happened. Weird. I and, mean, because we, we used to have crazy stuff like that, too, people, threats and writing, but there was, there was not a culture to back it up, so now everybody's, it's, everything causes much more anxiety. Like, when I was going to uh, school, it was like, every day was like, oh, today's the race riot. There's going to be a huge race riot, like, and, you know, and then we just like, oh, okay. Like, you know, but, but then, but we had, because we, we never actually thought anything would actually happen, but mm-hmm. now, but now you have to think it might happen. Right. Yeah. You. You. Everything's really don't. possible. Now. Right. Right. Especially even if like like if someone doesn't have a gun, you can just three D print it. Like it's it's not hard anymore. And that's the thing with like the gun laws thing is I don't yeah. want guns. I think it's kind of dumb for everyone to have one. But even if we get rid of them, make them illegal, people can still make them because we have all of the materials and all of the instructions, and we can three D print them or we can just make them out of metal. Like, yeah. Yeah. Anything can happen now because we have so much technology and advancement. So is that a word? But yeah, no. I feel th- th- I actually saw. I actually, I actually ended up liking the Heather's TV series that mm-hmm. that uh, like I got a bad. I thought the ep- first ep- couple episodes were a little weird, a little silly, but it ended up being quite interesting. And they had a they had like a you know school shooting practice session that. I thought, geez, if I was writing sat- high school satire, I, w- I would. This is good stuff, but like nobody's. It's not as funny anymore. For it, the 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 seventy thirty split has now become the other way, where only thirty percent are going to find that funny, and the other seventy percent are. It's not funny anymore, guys. Cringing hard, yeah. I mean, that's how I felt the whole time watching the Joker. As I was just cringing the whole time because you're just like, listen, in nineteen eighty nine, great film. Right now pretty irresponsible yeah but it is interesting watching watching the musical with audiences is like and the musical does a lot to lighten things up but still there's this core now that has a different unsettling feeling that didn't that the movie didn't have because it 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 does because you're having actual young people perform the music and actual young people in the audience but it's you know as an artist it's still interesting but it is it, it and so I'm like boy this is this is playing better than ever now but but it it is a bizarre alchemy of like you know what 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 eight, what 1989 was was still acceptable as satire is now you got to play it as more than satire the music plays it not just direct satire plays it as this really expansive experience. So, but it is interesting how it has an and it has a different. I love I love stories that have a different effect on each member of the audience. Like mm-hmm. I feel like a a great superhero movie is going to have the same effect on everyone. But Heather's still in 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 any incarnation when you see it now, it affects everybody a different way, which is which is cool. But unfortunately, it's cool at the expense of a very fucked up culture. Right. So if you so I'm sure sequel I mean you've you've people have asked you 
would you ever would there be Veronica now as a parent? I mean, yeah, <laughs> or yeah, is that or stranger the school, or the school principal? Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, there's, um, I, you know, I mean, let's face it, you know, I'm lucky to have like pe- pe- people used to say, "Why haven't you done anything as good as Heather's?" Now they tell me, "Hey." At least you did Heather's. Like at least, like you're, you know, how many writers out there have done something that still has an effect on people and Mm -hmm. and still relevant? Still relevant. And I'm like, why would I mess that up? Like at least I got this one jewel. Like you know, my career has announced, but but like now's the time. But but, but no, nothing, nothing hurts a movie than a bad sequel. I think like it just suddenly. Oh, you have no self confidence. No, I mean, even if I did a great, I, I just don't want to. Yeah, no. I mean, if it goes the way of Terminator, <laughs> I mean, but then there's well, some. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. The ter- Terminator's got like 90, 90 of them, and then like, and how great, and even the the first Matrix is so good. Like, but we don't talk about the we talk about the whole Matrix thing now with a little cynicism, like because there's been there's four more coming, and like there was well, there's a Mean Girls too. Well, see, right. right? There's different. Well, that, that that's even beneath our contempt. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, occasionally, I I just don't. I don't know. Well, what do you? I, think? I, I'm, Where I'm, would I, she be? What would have? I mean, she has to be so traumatized. Well, I, <laughs> well, well, Riley, you got to help me out. What would what would the what would the new name be? Because there there was a good there was a good in the early early century there was a good Ashley run that Ashley's would have been great, but I feel like. Ashley's gone and Riley. And, and, Riley has now become a popular name. Riley, by the way, name of my high school. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awkward. <laughs> Riley's. There you go. <laughs> oh, Riley. <laughs> I, I might be wrong, but wasn't the original ending? They all die and go to prom. And well, yeah. So after 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 yeah. yeah after the explosion, yeah. There was and the punch bowls filled with the blue liquid, mm-hmm. the hole cleaner, and. I just <laughs> Yes, it was uh, Simple Minds Alive and Kicking was going to be the closing theme song because I always thought that was a good song. <laughs> Did you pick Kesara Sara? Um, that's a Larry Kierzewski thing. Okay. Larry Kierzewski, um used to play that old Sly Stone version of the song and 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 he said, hey, this would be a cool ending for Heathers. Like, and I go, not really. And I go, eh, maybe. Eh. But then we thought, oh, if we did – the the cheery light version of Kesarat Sarat at the start. Mm-hmm. So Kara gets credit for that. Oh, nice, nice. Um, one last question for you, and that is: so you know, usually the director winds up getting the, the credit for the film, and in this case, you know, your as, name- as well he deserves credit. Well, no, but I've, oh, okay. But yeah, I know what you're going at. <laughs> no, no, because it, it is very funny that. You know, here I am, a first-time screenwriter, and you read all the books. Don't even William Goldman's book, all the screenwriting books. They say you're going to do all this work, and you'll don't worry, just accept now. You'll never get credit. No one will never know your name, and like that's just the way it is for a screenwriter. So be tough. And it was pretty crazy. They mentioned the screenwriter and to this day. They they mention mention the writer. So it's like I'm like, hey, that's the way it is, baby. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's – yeah, I mean, obviously the dialogue calls attention to itself. But I liked even the people who hated the movie, Blame Me, which I, I took as a badge of honor. Okay. I still remember some of the negative reviews. Waters' dialogue is so arch, they could build a second high school on top of it. <laughs> like, sounds good. 
Yeah, sounds good. Also, message to young writers out there, always think of the Halloween costume when you're writing. Smart. Because, like, you know, that gives you immortality because the Heathers, Heathers has been given, bringing it to Halloween for a long time. I think it's you know, when you when you when you write something like that, and the, you know I wrote Batman Returns, so the Catwoman costume Batman Returns is is no joke either. So just think something to think ahead. Well, also tying into a holiday, Gary Marshall figured that out there uh, toward the end. But if you tie it into a holiday every year, it's going to get played. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yes, Valentine's Day. Well, New Year's. well, Batman Returns <laughs> is, is apparently a big Christmas movie now, which I didn't know that. Time was going to be. So yeah. it was Die Hard. Well, yeah, right. Came, yeah, both movies came out in the summer, so but now they're Christmas movies. Yeah, I should have had had this take place on Arbor Day, but um, I get some. <laughs> um, so any any what has nobody ever oh, asked no. you that I, you're I, like? Why doesn't anyone ask me this? I, there can't be anything. <laughs> no, there's got. I just feel like there's, there's something too much in, in this movie. Yeah, yeah, but but if I knew what it was, I'd. <laughs> You're just not harboring – I just want to make sure you're not harboring some secret that you thought someone has just not asked me the right question. I have a question. Okay. What does – what's the real definition of very? Really very? It's it's writer laziness. Okay. Because <laughs> it's like – I didn't know so, if it was actual lingo. Because, you know, I mean it was like, you know, I don't want to create slang that's already been in a John Hughes movie. So I got to create my own stuff and like I got to Shakespeare up this bitch and – like I'm like okay, what's a word for cool? Okay, very blank, very blank, very okay. It's gonna come to me. Very, just say it. I'm like wait a minute, what if I just stop right there and just stop at very and like make very, make very the um, the adjective or mm-hmm. not the adjective the you know the the noun or well, I'm getting something wrong, but <laughs> but you know make very an end, end in itself. So. so would it mean cool? Oh yeah, well I mean it's very. it's definitely very. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not less. Which Mean Girls rips off with Fetch, right? Like they kind of have like their. Uh, I, I'm gonna, gonna give. To I'm gonna. Tina gets complete credit for Fetch. Was a great. That was a great. Thing. <laughs> that was a great. Thing. It's so funny just seeing like like old movies and them saying like using slang, and you're kind of like, oh, what does that mean? But. I realize I've said slang in front of you, in front of my friend's grandparents, and they're like, what does that mean? Oh, like, so great, I have though. no idea what you're talking about. Well, it's so funny. The word Brad has had such a long trajectory and journey because it, be it used to be the lamest word in the world. Like, you know, it had a whole period of like, you can't say rad anymore. That's mm-hmm. so lame. And then, but now rad is kind of like, it's so, it's so retro that it's kind of cute now yeah 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 it's, sick is like the new word yes yeah sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah no i, I, <laughs> no, I the, the early days of sick were, were very funny like i i would like go into record stores like oh water you gotta get this so fucking sick i'm like great <laughs> it's vomitous <laughs> All right, I did tell you it was the last question, but yet I, I, I did try to. Okay, never mind. No, go ahead. No, I did. I did write a pilot that did get picked up, but I had somebody trying to make Holocaust happen. <sighs> like, man, that's some Holocaust shit. <laughs> like, you know, I still think I'm going to use that somewhere. Where... Uh, there is a a Flowbots song, Handlebars. The one of the greatest songs ever made. <laughs> That's exactly. Uh, I'm what serious. I said. I'm yeah. serious. Yeah, and then I, I had I, <laughs> I had a scene 
I had, I wrote a, you know, some of my, I have continued to write some amazing subversive scripts. They just don't get made into movies, your honor. Um, but I did have where the, where the, the chilling psychopathic girl does that song a cappella in her mirror. But so I'm a big fan of that song. Okay, good, good. I'm glad that I referenced it. I feel so cool now. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was like, oh, your little brother loves the song. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, I didn't even. I was like amazed. He's nine, and he's like, "I love the song," and he's playing it all the time. Oh no! See, I would because <laughs> it's such an omen, antichrist song. Yeah. Um. So I, the research before you know, after the podcast, the first podcast before here was that we were right that Veronica is more complicit in the murders. Well, than- well, you, you got to go back to the especially the first draft. Mm-hmm. Where I mean, still the the first murder happens kind of quasi by accident, and like, but you're you're right that in subconscious level, like you know, and even for JD, JD's not like I'm gonna kill her. Like even JD's kind of half ass about right. it. Like, hey, why she's this? Like he's he's not being like the Jack Nicholson at that point. I'm the devil. Mm-hmm. Feed her. The, like he's kind of just fucking around too. So, but then when it happens, like, well, let's see how this goes. Yeah, and then, but. But you know, as as the you got the hiccups, you could cherry slushy if you'd like. Oh my god, I, it's, <laughs> no, it's it's going to go away. But that's a whole other story. Okay, so but in in the original in the original script, like she ends up killing, she ends up becoming like Travis Bickle and Taxi Driver. Yeah. She ends up like loving, like she kills Peter. There's a character, the yearbook editor Pete Dawson, who's in the movie now, who's like her friend at the school newspaper, and like, but he ends up becoming like this big publicity seeking college asshole and like and and they kill him but she she's the one who kicks the radio into his hot tub and like it's just you know so so she was much more of a bad girl but then when, when you cast Winona and you have to cut the script 100 pages out like you know these things fall by the wayside and it makes the movie better yeah in those 100 pages did you have more deaths yes yeah like how many not I'm trying to think I'm trying to think like no more Heathers die, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and it just does like, you know, them thinking about killing Heather Duke. But I think there was – I think there was might have been a teacher. But it was – Pete Dawson was the biggest death. But The hippie teacher? Yeah, but she, – Because she gets her own credit. And the, I, w- oh, I wondered if her role was bigger. Her I, role was, I can't her, think of her name at the time. Yeah, Paul, Dr. Pauline Fleming. Yes, yeah, her, yes. Her, 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 role was, her role was bigger. But now that I think about it, I don't think they did kill her, but – uh-huh. Cuz she has my she has she has my favorite line in the movie. It's like whether to commit suicide or not is the most important decision to <laughs> make. Yeah. Which is now more satirical than ever because you can actually feel like somebody would ask that question. Yeah. 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 And by the way, I think there's one black student and one black teacher, right? Mr. Mosby. <laughs> from oh, jeez. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's he's well he he's he's gone on to be a Teacher and a butler and many things. Phil Lewis, the actor. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. And you guys were talking about the extras. The extras in that movie they, they crack me up. Is that because we got these movie stars in the foreground, and then we got like these thirty-eight-year-old guys in jeans who are the extras, and like you know, it's it's so funny. And yet, and yet, the what I they're dressed like actual high school students. Yes, yeah. yes, and that's what's so crazy well, is like they're so costumed the Heather's, which I get why, but like yeah. you know, and then and in the, the back, and, I'm like, these are real clothes. And, <laughs> and they're and the Heather's costumes were meant to be surreal from the get go. They were this was this they were almost like croquet, like you know, mm-hmm. nobody actually wore that stuff. 
I mean, occasionally on special occasions, but not the daily uniform. The huge shoulder pads. Like, there's shoulder pads, and then there's those shoulder pads. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you've been very generous with your time. A lot of this was just self-indulgent here at the end while we just, right. like, you know. Well, <laughs> hey, it's a conversation. But, that's, the po- that's the point of a podcast. Yes. It's a conversation. I'm treating to mineral waters, though, if, uh, you know. <laughs> well, this Slurpee's done its work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. And um, you can go to 80smovieguide.com for the uh, total Heather's behind the scenes information and also do the podcast 80s Movies, A Guide to What's Wrong with Your Parents. You can. And on social media yeah. mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff at 80s Movie Guide. So thanks for listening. I'm Riley Roberts. I'm Tara McNamara. I'm Dan Waters. <laughs> <laughs> See ya.